0: from master filmmaker Hayao Miyazaki, the director of the Academy Award-winning Spirited Away. That is ancient sorcery. Quite powerful, too. This summer, experience the epic tale of a young woman transformed by a mysterious curse. That's really me, isn't it? An enchantment.
1: Hello! Welcome to Me and My Dad Watch Anime. My name is Drew, and I'm here with my dad, David. Hello. And to start this episode, we wanted to introduce uh, a pretty new, I don't know if I want to say category, but it's definitely uh, an element that will play into the rest of the podcast. Dad, why don't you explain where I'm coming from here?
0: Well, our last episode, we uh, had a little wine and uh, we figured we're going to feature a different wine in each of our episodes. Not that this is being a sponsored wine or anything, it's just... Our wine of choice for this particular episode, and uh, today's l- brain lubricant is Josh Sellers Bourbon Barrel Age Cabernet Sauvignon twenty eighteen.
1: Is there anything else you're under the influence of any no. sort of substances? Drugs? No, I am
0: completely uh, lucid at this point. Um, Must be nice. Hopefully, I won't be as lucid by the end, or that I'm, you know, fully lubricated.
1: Yeah. That's the... Everyone hopes to be fully lubricated after a podcast. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, let's just jump right into it now that we got a lube joke out of the way in the first, (laughs) I want to say, minute. Uh, We're doing Howl's Moving Castle. Yes. It is one that, for me, has always been one of my favorites. It's been kind of definitely eye-opening the second time around, or not necessarily the second time around, but the more times I just see it, I I have a a different perspective on it. Why don't you give us a little bit of information about the movie, just to put it into proper context about, you know, where it's coming from, what kind of money it made.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's the the follow-up to Spirited Away. Uh, Miyazaki is uh, pretty well known at this point. And, um, Disney money. Disney money. Big Disney money. Yeah, Disney's involved. So it um, grossed $236 million worldwide and was also nominated for Best Animated Feature in 2005. And end up losing to Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were Rabbit, which seemed like that was like they got robbed. But I don't has know. Like a
1: ninety-five on Rod Tomatoes. The Were Rabbit, I don't remember seeing it, but it's apparently critically acclaimed. Right. In contrast to Howl's, which is a little bit more divisive.
0: Yeah, I do remember it getting a lot of accolades, but I mean, I I never watched it. I for some reason it just didn't appeal to me that stop motion animation. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Have you watched the Wallace and Gromit movies before?
0: Not really. Yeah. I mean, I have seen them, but it was anything that I interested me. Hmm. But no, in retrospect now when I, I sort of watch it, I like yourself, I sort of have a little different idea about. I mean, watching Howl's Moving Castle years ago and then watching it today, story's a little convoluted.
1: A little is uh <laughs> a little is an understatement. Yeah. Currently, it has an 87 on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's, you know, overwhelmingly yeah. positive.
0: But it's a little low compared to others. I mean, it didn't, uh, you know, get that 90% or better, so... um a
1: staple of most of these Miyazaki yeah. movies.
0: I mean, it's definitely got a little bit more of uh, confusion in uh, the fan base.
1: What did our boy Roger... Uh, roger ebert have to say about it Uh, roger
0: was uh not as uh not too much of a fan of this one he only gave it two and a half out of four stars called it a disappointment compared to other miyazaki recent movies
1: so and i think that's going to get right into the letterbox worst reviews and i had some trouble finding some particularly good ones i was scouring The website is uh, page after page, essentially. I've read hundreds of reviews, and these were the best I came up with. Uh, For a half star by Liam on April 24, 2020, my friend's dad does the Swedish voice of Howru, or excuse me, Howl. He spelled it Howru in the review. (laughs) And I hate it. I fucking hate it. This used to be my favorite movie, and now it's all fucking ruined. Fuck this shit. I don't know what this dude has against this dad <laughs> why he's uh, so offended by it but i'm sorry liam that's tough. what's up
0: with the swedish voice
1: though uh who knows <laughs> i mean unless he did some sort of you know debaucherous take on it i really can't imagine he, he messed it up that bad uh on july 24th uh user eli gave the movie two stars i really wanted to like this but just didn't uh, frowny face emoji. I, I, it's a visual, you know, th- yeah. that's a visual thing. I need to explain it. Uh, Christian bake really. <laughs> yeah. It didn't spell bail. Right. Christian bake really transformed himself for this role though. He's such a committed actor. He became a bird for this film. And that's uh-huh. something that not a lot of people get to talk about with, uh, Christian Bales. over is the fact that he all the time coming to the studio, he wore a bird suit. It was really distracting for a lot of the other actors. um, Let's just keep rolling on, try to get there. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's in the where you pay paying attention. Okay. Uh, so another half star for Bonkers Reviews. Miss me with that weeb shit. And I'm kind of cool with that. Two stars for Donnie Buckingham. This is more of a, a real sort of review that I kind of glommed onto just because I f- feel similarly. I'm not mad. How's Moving Castle? I'm just disappointed. After a fairly strong first half... This movie devolves into complete, meaningless nonsense in the second half. Very pretty nonsense, I stress. Miyazaki is incapable of making a bad-looking film. He's also known for writing his plots as he animates, and nowhere is that more apparent than in this beautiful mess. I want so desperately to love Howl, but the thought of the last hour of this film just gives me a headache. Then it's followed up by... Uh,
0: I think that one's on point.
1: I I also think that's uh, a pretty fair sort of rating, and we we'll, we'll, we'll because da- I
0: think this sort of brings to the, the surface Miyazaki's
1: you know weaknesses.
0: Well noted for just you know making the plot up as he goes along. Yeah, because well, uh, this one is sort of all over the place. Yeah, I I mean just watching it and seeing all the different things that are going on, I I don't really see how you can understand why certain things are happening unless i guess you read the book but from what i've read and i've not read the actual book who who was the author that
1: it was diana wynne jones right and i guess we can hop right into lost in translation because a lot of these reviews that i have left are more in the same i did just want to read one more (laughs) uh billy crystal's great and the dog is cute, and a kid pretending to be a grown-up is always funny, but howl's a creep, and in the last third of this, it becomes almost completely incomprehensible, and it's just boring. Thank you very much, Aiden, for that one star on September 21st, 2020. <laughs> so aside from, I mean, just general sort of missing plot points, did you learn anything else about the book that was, you know, a large contrast with the movie, or what was the your findings on that? Um, well, I guess Miyazaki
0: basically changed pretty much the whole plot of. I mean, as far as what the book was trying to get across, I guess it was some kind of um, more about classes and gender roles, right? Yes, exactly and uh, he turned it into this anti-war movie and um, the author herself said, yeah, it'll pr- you know, pretty much won't follow the, the book, but I'm good with that and it'll be mm-hmm. great anyway, so she was just like, she gave him the okay on it but, uh, yeah, I think he just basically took a rough idea what the book was about and then just made it his own
1: so so when you were watching the movie did you only watch the the english dub or did you also see the japanese no i I, left that up to you yeah yeah (laughs) well uh i definitely did watch it in japanese and you know i was kind of conflicted going back and forth because i preferred the japanese sophie i thought that was just a, a sort of better performance especially when she becomes first old, which goes right into our, you know, my favorite scene. Um, that's probably hands down the best sort of animation that I'm looking at. Even though the whole movie is pretty, there's something about when Sophie first feels her face and it's pulling down and the, the wrinkled meat and just like revealing her teeth. There's something so visceral about it. And the whole, uh, the whole interaction she keeps having with the mirror, she's like, I got to calm down. I got to stay calm. When it's happening in Japanese, it's a lot more brisk. When it comes to the English dub, there's a little bit more, you know, word salad involved and it's less direct, but the voice acting in the uh, the Japanese version when Sophie first turns old is my favorite. It, it just makes me laugh. I was cracking up watching the whole first part. And that first hour of the movie is probably the strongest part of it. Everything after the uh, Wicked, or excuse me, the, the Witch of the Waste loses her powers, that's when things start to tail off. But mm. do you have a favorite scene or maybe something that sort of uh, is, stands out for you as your... Favorite part of the movie? Yeah,
0: I mean, overall, I mean, the biggest thing I take away from this movie is just the animation is just incredible. I mean, I think it's a major flex from Miyazaki in terms of like it seemed like he just brought the whole yeah everything that he's you
1: know the arsenal yes exactly and put his um, dick and balls on the table <laughs> like I mean
0: I I always love the the bedroom scene when um Sophie comes in and he and howls you know moping because he changed the color of his hair or somehow accidentally dyed his hair black or somehow because she had mixed up his potions yeah comes out with the orange (laughs) yeah and that whole like the bedroom just the the detail in that animated scene is just incredible and for me i don't know why but i always love the crowd scenes like the parades, you Mm -hmm. know and all that um so i i really don't have a specific moment moment in terms of you know the story because um, quite honestly it seemed like it was all you know I just I had late. a hard time really taking in the story but yeah um so I was really looking at it more of a just like wow what a you know a masterpiece in terms of animation I mean I I, I can't really think of anything that I've ever watched that I was just blown away by the total package of animation that you know was presented in a movie
1: I would agree. I mean, the, the Howell's bedroom is a sight to be seen. That yeah. should be put in a museum. Yeah. Uh, we have a pretty slim all in the family category, which is what we're tentatively calling our uh, essentially where we just discuss how bad parents are in all sort of anime movies. Yeah. Uh, so Honey, which is the name of uh, Sophie's mom in the movie, does her raw. She comes in, gives her a big smooch. She's like, "Oh, it's so good to see you, Sophie." Drops the bag off, real sly about it, and then she's out the door, right. ready to drop that peeping bug or whatever you want to call it. Um, damn, dude. Why can't why can't anyone have a good family? I guess it's all the friends that you make that are really your family in these movies, but
0: yeah, it uh
1: blood curdles in a Miyazaki <laughs> world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is too bad. Do you have uh any sort of uh unintentional lessons or what was your takeaway from this movie? I guess uh, part of it is just that
0: you know, growing old is not necessarily the worst thing that can happen to you. Yeah, you could that... be fat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in the case of the wicked witch, or I keep saying the wicked witch, but in the case of the witch of the waste, I mean, it, it's pretty explicitly seen in the uh, the staircase scene that being a large person apparently is not as bad as being yeah. old in Miyazaki's mind, because yeah. that woman looked tough. Yeah. The sweat pouring well, off is, is one of the scariest things I've ever seen in a movie. And for the simple fact that she's basically,
0: you know, so somehow magically keeping herself younger than she's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and uh, that role of Nick Fat is just it's, a sight to behold. It
1: is a sight to behold, <laughs> and it's actually, uh, we'll go into another category that we have coming oh. up. Um, another takeaway that I had, even though I don't necessarily believe in this, maybe Miyazaki does. Uh, not all sad e-boys are bad, and it's okay to trust them. Howl is a classic fuckboy, and there's really no way around it. I know in the novel, he's apparently much more of a womanizer. Oh, yeah, he's a player. Yeah, he he's sleeping around. I don't know what kind of STD test they're having. Uh, maybe he can just cure it with magic.
0: Sounds like, you know, he had, a th- oh, I mean, he had a thing with the Witch of the Waste, right? And then, you know, I think she was got a little old and he just pretty much kicked her to the curb.
1: I mean, he, he had to know she was already old before. I mean, I don't know what he was kind of getting into that relationship with. If that was the case. There is a sort of uh difference in the, the Japanese telling of what happened between them. I can't remember exactly, but essentially he just said that he thought she was interesting. Yeah. And it was more in the English one. He said he had some sort of... Well, isn't Sophie in.
0: portrayed as sort of being not pretty? Which... She I thinks know. she's not pretty. Yeah. For sure. Well, even the girl's you know when like letty not letty but isn't the when the mother comes in and and she says they're gonna go out Hmm. and then don't don't the girls make some mention like oh oh howl only goes after pretty girls or something to that effect
1: i mean i guess uh, maybe sophie's a dog i don't really know (laughs) i (laughs) i don't think that but maybe this no i mean she's not you know you know animated in a way that would you know indicate that she was somehow sure she's yeah. not a big titty anime baby, and that's <laughs> that's where this movie really sort of falls through uh one of my last sort of uh you know unintentional takeaways it's okay to have hots for grandma just because there's a little bit of an age difference Howl is getting in with these older women yeah you gotta wonder if you know solomon has all these weird blonde bob children around at what point does she start saying hey come rub my feet a little bit come uh come fill up my wine glass a little bit more i'm feeling a little down it's a lot of sort of questioning, like, uh, questionable relationships in this movie. Uh, <laughs> so now we're getting into the real sort of meat of the podcast, and we're, we're, back. we're back with our couple of games here. Uh, we're going to start out with three lies and the truth. And I'm just going to read these out one by one, and you're going to have to decide which one is fake and which ones are the lies. So the first entry here, after completion of the film... Lauren Bacall, voice of Witch of the Waste, famously asked Miyazaki at a subtitled screening if he was married. The two would subsequently go on to date, and she would even go on to voice Toki in the movie Ponyo, which is one of her last feature-length films for her death in 2012. The next one is, In 2004, a sticker-collecting advertising campaign was held in promotion of the film by the Japanese convenience store chain Lawson, with a special heen the dog mug as a grand prize. Studio Ghibli would continue to partner with Lawson on subsequent releases due to the success of the partnership. The third entry is while author Diana Wynne Jones was originally quoted as being a fan of the film after a private London screening with the director, she has since opened up about her experience and feelings towards the film in a 2014 interview with Publishers Weekly. There she stated Miyazaki's plotting on the film was "quote unquote erratic and didn't feel like the ending did the story proper justice." As for our final in uh installment in this category. According to Miyazaki's testimony and early storyboards, Hal's Castle is actually made of paper mache. Inside the castle, there are only the living room, Hal's room, Markle's room, the bathroom, and the toilet. Its huge appearance is mostly for show. It's a big front, and the cannons don't actually work at all. Everything is there so that people will run away at the sight of it. To express this feature, director Hayao Miyazaki decided to reduce the noise of the castle when it moves, making it nearly soundless. So looking over these four entries, which one do you think is the lie and which one do you think is the truth?
0: Hmm. These all look um I think the uh the Lauren
1: Bacall uh, I I don't
0: see them uh,
1: dating. Shack it up. Yeah. So you think that's the fake? Yeah, I do. Okay. And that eliminates one. You still gotta pick which one is the truth one. Oh, there's three lies and the truth. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's the category. Yeah. We're not just kind of... I thought know. you had three truths and a lie. No! <laughs> okay,
0: no. I, Half of these are made up. The wine's of... already hit me. I'm sorry. It's fine. Um, all right. Tone down the sticker. I think the Diane Wynn one is also a lie. Because mm-hmm. I think she uh, She basically gave him uh, the okay. I don't know if that he.
1: she'd go back on that. Okay. We're um, down two. You're close.
0: House castle made a paper mache. Uh, no,
1: that's, that's false. Okay. Okay. Interestingly enough, since you have sort of eliminated these one by one, the sticker collecting one is the true one. Oh, wow. Um, but the paper mache comment is one of those weird things that I kept coming upon in research for this movie where in the interesting like top 10 facts, people kept putting this fucking detail where they're like, yeah, the castle's made of paper mache. While it is quite, silent when it moves around i don't have any sort of confirmation there's no evidence to say that it's made of paper mache but it kept showing up and i just wanted to include it because i think it's bullshit uh, obviously uh
0: i don't think uh paper mache uh bird's feet are going to be able to hold up a castle and uh yeah of course it's a magical castle but uh still
1: well it all comes crashing down too Quiet. it's not like crumpled paper or everything yeah. like it's not a you know no it's not breaking apart in the same way very strange all right Game number two. Were you paying attention? So, the first question is, when Sophie visits Howell in his room after his botched dye job, there are two stuffed animals on the bed. One is a pink and purple striped hippo-type animal. What is the other? Is it A, a cow? B, a frog? C, a pig? Or D, a peacock?
0: Uh, Seeing that Miyazaki had the... uh a thing for frogs and spirit Away. I'm going to just go with the frog.
1: It would be false on that one. It is a cow. It's <laughs> sitting right next to it. All right. Question number two. When Sophie and Markle visit the market in Port Haven, what is the only item they buy? Is it A, cabbages, B, fish, C, potatoes, or D, onions? I think it was potatoes. That is correct. So we are uh, one for two. What... Is the name of Sophie's hat shop? Is it Cessary's Caps, Hatter Hats, Letty's Lids, or Pendragon's Pillbox in Panama's?
0: Hatter Hats.
1: Hatter Hats is correct. We are two for three. What is the name of the body of water Sophie, Markle, and Turnip hang their laundry? Is it A. Star Lake, B. Honey Pond, C. Leech Lake, or D. Comet River?
0: Hmm, I'm just guessing. I'm going to say Star
1: Lake. That is correct. We are three wow. for four. Strong, were you paying attention so far? <laughs> what are the two colors on Sophie's home country's flag? Is it red and white, blue and orange, pink and yellow, or green and purple? Uh, blue and orange. Incorrect. What? pink and yellow really? is their home country's flag, yes. Hmm. They're always waving it, coming off the, uh, yeah, the harbor. For
0: some reason, I felt like I... And that opening scene when they're, you know, in
1: those airships and they're,
0: mm-hmm. I could have sworn it was blue and orange.
1: Hey, I mean, you're doing well so far. Yeah. You know, you have a positive shooting yeah. percentage, so okay. they weren't, they're were they not going to take you off the court yet. All right. In the English dub, what does Sophie say to Turnip Head before she goes inside of Howell's Castle? Is it A, my, may you find happiness? B, take care, Turnip Head. C, don't tip yourself over again, okay? Or D, I'll never eat another turnip again. Thank you.
0: Um, I think it's Take Care, Turnip Head.
1: That is correct. In the Japanese dub, interestingly enough, it's May You Find Happiness, which I actually like much uh, more as a as a sort of farewell for that character. Yeah, why would they change that? I don't know. The English one is always sort of questionable. It just seems
0: like they just want to
1: mix it up for, you know. They want to dampen it right down. Yeah. All right. When Sophie looks out the window at Port Haven after first meeting Markle, what is the piece of fruit in the windowsill? Is it A, an orange, B, a pear, C, a mango, or D, an apple? I'm going to say a pear. It's an apple. Ah. Red apple sitting on the windowsill. All
0: right.
1: All right. We have one more question and then a bonus question that might be, might be difficult. Uh, when Sophie is cleaning the castle... How many baby mice are following its mother as they flee her broom? And this includes the one that is on the mother rat's back. Is it A, 5, B, 6, C, 4, or D, 7? Uh, total guess, 5. Close. It is 5 following and then 1 on uh. the back, so it was 6. 6 mice. This next one I don't expect you to get, but it is one that I had to do because I'm playing the game. All right, bonus question: How many sheep are at the very beginning of the movie? Is it A, fifty-nine, B, thirty-two, C, forty-seven, or D, sixty-three? I'm gonna go with the lower
0: number. That seems like a lot. Uh, too many animations there. Think go thirty-two. Thirty-two,
1: yeah. It's incorrect. It was fifty-nine sheep. Oh jeez. Yeah, I. <laughs> I will actually tell you exactly how I counted that out. I had taken a hit of a homemade gravity bong and I was sitting three inches away from my television counting it out for 30 minutes (laughs) because I kept counting it and I was just like, all right, I don't have the right sort of state of mind to keep getting this because I
0: kept forgetting. You know, I might have to uh, check you on that. It doesn't sound like you might have been in the right state of mind you hey. might have had double vision or some
1: kind of you know i don't know if we just gonna do that but <laughs> at that point really anything could have happen so i'm not gonna really hold it against you for questioning me uh our next category we're heading right into one of my favorites it's put them on the rushmore
0: okay. this
1: is where we try to i guess put how's moving castle into a broader sort of perspective i want to know where it places among other great movies other great characters so there's a couple of different categories that I've come up with uh, within the Put em in the Rushmore, and I'll read them off, and you got to tell me if Howl's, you know, elements about it or the characters are going to break through and find their way onto the big mountainside. Okay. All right. First one. Best movie and TV houses. Does Howl's Castle beat out Frodo's Hobbit house in Lord of the Rings, the Home Alone mansion in Home Alone, uh, the house from Up, or the Simpsons house? There's a couple honorable mentions, and there's, I mean, there's a million, uh, you know, sitcom homes that I could have included here. The Full House from The Full House, the Bel Air Mansion from Prince of Bel Air, uh, the Downtown Abbey Castle, and the Haunted House from Monster House, which I don't know if you've seen that one, but that's. uh... Yes, I have seen Monster House. Okay, so you, (laughs) we are all on the same page. Strangely,
0: I just watched that about two or three weeks ago. Really? For what reason? I have no idea. Yeah, but it was bizarre. I I can't even tell you why, but I did watch the whole thing. Well, i have got a your mind. Yeah, very strange movie. Too bad it wasn't an anime because I'd like to talk about it. No. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah darn it.
1: <laughs> All right. Where do you think House uh, Movie Castle um, places on the Rushmore? If it does make it. Do you think? I
0: absolutely think it does make it on the Rushmore. You think
1: it unseats one of these sort of classic, classic homes? Yes. And which one would you take out? I
0: don't, I mean, The Simpsons
1: House. You think the Simpsons house? Yeah.
0: yeah there's, is there anything special about the Simpsons house? I mean...
1: I guess all just this random stuff that happens it, to the Simpsons. I mean, it seems like everything has happened there if you're counting all the Halloween episodes. But that's that's fair. Uh, it seems like that's the most sort of practical house. It's certainly not a mansion. I mean,
0: amongst all the ones that you've listed, I, I think hands down house. I mean, th- that's a pretty iconic castle house yeah. of all time. Yeah. I mean, them- Disney has a whole list of different castles within
1: their animations that's true
0: elsa's castle oh yeah her ice castle. frozen yeah um
1: rapunzel's tower beauty and the beast yep that's a good one yeah
0: um so i mean those should probably be
1: honorable mentions at least
0: well actually i think they they might they deserve almost a spot
1: on you know or Hey, we can chip away the rush. Yeah, one. yeah. All well, these heads are just made with. They're clay. up for discussion. Yeah, you
0: know, I don't know. I mean,
1: you could peel these. Things I think off. we
0: could do a whole podcast on that because there's a literally like about ten different uh, castles within the Disney.
1: Uh, Maybe HGTV will sponsor our podcast if we just start talking about TV yeah, homes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Get some of that good home improvement money. Yeah. All
0: right. How does Howl's, you know, you know,
1: face up to uh, all these other?
0: Classic Castle homes.
1: I mean, I wonder what sort of listing. He has to sort of put it back on the market. I don't really know. Maybe he's looking to get out of it. And that maybe is going to get into something else I have to talk about with uh, where we think these characters are going now. All right. Best TV wizards. Or excuse me, best movie wizards. Gandalf from Lord of the Rings. Dumbledore from the Harry Potter series. The Wizard from the Wizard of Oz. Or Merlin from the Sword in the Stone. And the honorable mentions are going to be Ice King from Adventure Time. Harry Potter, Sauron, Jafar, and uh, Doctor Strange from the MCU. And this is questioning whether Howl breaks through onto the greatest wizards. No, I don't think he makes it. No, I don't yeah, think. N- no doubt. Yeah, Gandalf, Dumbledore, uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz and Merlin are a strong starting yeah. four. I don't think you're breaking through. No, that that's pretty solid right there. I would have to agree. Okay. I mean, Howl's got a lot of uh, character flaws, so... Yeah, he... I mean, I guess they all do. But <laughs> that's that's what happens when you're a magical being. You start making questionable yeah. decisions. All right. Best canine companions. Does Heen, the dog, the three-footed flying dog, uh, beat out Hooch from Turner and Hooch, Buddy from Airbud, Baxter from Anchorman, who is notoriously kicked off a bridge, or Marley from Marley and Me. And there's a couple of honorable mentions. I have Zero from Nightmare on Elm Street, Sam from I Am Legend, the German Shepherd who dies in a chokehold, uh, Old Yeller, who is shot in the face, uh, Toto, who is killed by a munchkin, <laughs> or Gromit, from uh, Wallace and Gromit.
0: Nah, I can't put Heen up there, but what, what was that dog that, um, what was that movie when you watched when you were really young oh, and basically brought you to tears?
1: With Frankie Muniz. I mean, most movies bring me yeah. to tears, let's be honest. Uh, but- Shiloh? No, no, no! No, It wasn't Shiloh. I can't remember. I know exactly what you're talking about, though. And if your mother was here, yeah, (laughs) Mom, what's the movie that made me cry? That's the thing. It it, was, it was
0: definitely a defining moment in our our family. Yeah, everyone. Drew's first, you know, emotional outbreak
1: during a movie. It was bad. I was uh, inconsolable for (laughs) days. Yeah. All right. Best humanoid character with wings. Does Howell beat out Buzz Lightyear from Toy Story? Anthony Mackey as Falcon in Captain America: Winter Soldier and the other MCU movies, Angelina Jolie in Maleficent, or Julia Roberts in Hook. And there's a couple of honorable mentions: uh, John Travolta and Michael, Ben Foster as Archangel in X-Men, Dwayne Johnson in the Tooth Fairy, uh, <laughs> Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law, and the Bird Fairy or <laughs> the Blue Fairy in uh, Pinocchio.
0: How about uh, honorable mention: Michael Keaton in Birdman.
1: That's fair. I guess he is technically with wings. You could say Cosmo from, uh, you know, Fairly Odd Parents. I guess there's a couple that I probably missed. But where do you think Howell places amongst the uh, the winged people of the the cinematic world?
0: Again, I just I can't put him up there. Sweet. I mean, Buzz. That's Cla- yeah. classic. Yeah, yeah. He's center stage right there.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Anthony Mackie though, Falcon as in Captain America: Winter Soldier. Angel- Angelina Jolie had wings?
1: Yeah, as and Maleficent. Mal-
0: yeah, yeah, well, I can't say that I saw that, so.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, you know, Dwayne Johnson and the Tooth Fairy. Oh, Julia
0: Roberts with. as um, Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell.
1: There's a, there's a lot of good ones. I think yeah. Harvey Birdman is underrated. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but. That's, Harvey uh,
0: Birdman, Attorney at Law?
1: Yeah, that's a mm. cartoon. That's an anime, for sure. Is it? Oh, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. <laughs> it's... I was just like, wow. Wow, let's watch Harvey Birdman. <laughs> I wonder what they're doing on that show. All right, next one. Best fake or prematurely old characters in movies? We have Robin Williams in Mrs. Doubtfire, Johnny Knoxville in Bad Grandpa, Brad Pitt in Benjamin Button, and Tom Hanks in Big. And then a couple honorable mentions. We have Tyler Perry in Medea, Martin Lawrence in Big Mama, Jared Leto as Nemo in Mr. Nobody, and Robin Williams as Jack. Does Sophie... Find her way onto the prematurely old characters or, you know, fake uh, old people, Rushmore.
0: Well, nah, I can't, I can't
1: put it there. That's fair. Yeah. Missed Outfire is unimpeachable. No. I don't think you can take uh, Robin Williams off any sort of scene. Johnny Knoxville is, uh... Hanks
0: and Big, I think, is, uh... I don't know. That's a pretty classic movie.
1: That is pretty classic. I only put Johnny Knoxville in Bad Grandpa because (laughs) I just think that's a funny role. (laughs) It's really not even a good movie. All right. Uh, We have one last of the Rushmore, and this is probably my favorite. Worst Cinematic Necks. Does the Witch of the Waste, with her almost scarf of a neck, beat out E.T. from Extra Terrestrial? Freddy Krueger from Nightmare on Elm Street? Fat Bastard at the end when he says it looks like a vagina <laughs> <laughs> in member. or uh, Jabba the Hutt from Star Wars. Yeah.
0: I gotta say, she's gonna... She's making a bid.
1: It's a push. Yeah. But is she worse than E.T., Freddy Krueger, Fat Bastard, Job well, Jabba the Hutt?
0: Yeah, I think she's worse than E.T. I wow. mean, E.T. Wow. just had, you know, that pencil neck.
1: But... It wasn't even a pencil neck. It was like an accordion. Like, yeah. It was all gross yeah. and wrinkly. Yeah. yeah. E.T.'s not a looker.
0: Freddy Krueger, I don't think his neck was,
1: uh... It still had that those weird... Yeah, like,
0: they did, but I mean, it was more his face and his, you know... Yeah. His neck that character. bastard, that, that, uh, that that's a classic.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean... I feel like Fat Bastard has to be on most of these categories. Yeah. <laughs> Every time Considering
0: I, I'm a big fan of Fat Bastard, I mean... Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I got a hard time pulling him off. Austin Powers has been... And Jabba the Hutt,
0: yeah, he's definitely... Come on. Yeah. I mean, I think he is all neck, actually. He, he might might just might be, be a small head on on top of a,
1: like, just a big slithering neck. Yeah, it it's was possible. Huge. There's a lot of sort of species and stuff. Whatever. If that... you want to call that
0: Nick, I don't even know what you
1: want to call the bottom half of him. But you I know, think we... he's like a slug. I think that's probably the best way to put it. <sighs> so she, you think she is getting on the Rushmore, kicking out ET?
0: Absolutely. Wow. If if that's if that's the spot. Offset that alert. J- what's that upset alert that's oh, an upset. et really? yeah. e.
1: is all time
0: yeah i i never look at et and and you know and judge him by his neck so i mean the the witch of the waist. i mean that's a prominent feature
1: yeah i guess that is if not the most prominent feature uh,
0: i mean as soon as you look at it, you can't you can't stop staring
1: yeah yeah <laughs> you gotta wonder what's essentially gonna happen to her now that she's old i mean at least her neck isn't as bad but this kind of goes right into well, our... I think
0: she's basically going to sit back, drink scotch, and smoke cigars,
1: as far as I can tell. You know, most people that age should probably just do the same. Yeah. So where do you see these characters going forward? You know? Do you see Sophie and Hal working out? Do you see them kind of reopening that flower shop? No.
0: Where do you... Well, this is... The... I think Hal's got a lot of personal problems, man. Yeah. He's, heart, you know, very narcissistic. Mm-hmm. I mean there's a point in the movie when his hair is changed and he goes, I can't go on living being ugly. And, uh, it's pathetic. And, um, I mean, I think basic horses,
1: I say that, uh, you know, enough to, <laughs> enough to defend Hal. so, you know, don't tread lightly, sir. <laughs> oh, really? No. Yeah. <laughs> As a think person you, who's losing their hair to at 25, I don't me think I can.
0: Um, so I think Hal basically, um, Gets a bad uh, dye job, loses all his hair, mm-hmm. goes in a major depression, mm-hmm. disappears. Okay. Sophie decides to uh, put the castle up as an Airbnb.
1: Ooh, that's a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> <laughs> that would make some money. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, shit. come on,
0: man. You just, you know, can dial it up. He mu- she mu- I mean, I don't know how she can move it around. I guess it took... Uh,
1: People can come to her. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah. She doesn't need to go to anybody. And...
0: Uh, you know, I think she expands her hat uh, business and uh, basically rakes in the money, uh, uh, you know, at the Airbnb.
1: Yeah, she profits off I mean, of uh, Howell's that, failure. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, that's going to be for, you know, socialites and, you know, big spenders.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. I think the Airbnb thing is smart. <laughs> As to where maybe Howell's going, I think I've pinned it down. I alluded to him being a fuckboy. That's sort of a thing that's not really arguable. Yeah. Um, I see their breakup being a little bit more of a physical problem. Because either one, A, Sophie hasn't fully broken her spell and she just sort of fluctuates from, you know, old to young and never really gets it back in control. And he, maybe he gets a little shallow. I think the real problem with Hal is that this man is riddled with diseases. Yeah, I don't think uh, he uses any protection. <laughs> I think he's probably maybe curing himself, but the girls he just leaves in his wake are, you know... They're corpses after he's done with them. Um, Well, look at what the
0: witch of the waste, man. I
1: mean. You think he dicked her into despair? I don't know.
0: It might have had something to do with it,
1: man. Jeez. Well, you know, that happens sometimes.
0: Basically, he uh, just sucked the life out of her whatever.
1: But, you know. Usually you hope it's the other way around. (laughs) But (laughs) I see how actually breaking into the TikTok world. He is perfect perfect to be oh. a tiktok celebrity and while you know sophie is going to be out using his castle for various sort of uh airbnb related reasons Howell is going to start a new house it's going to be Hal's moving hype house it's just going to be filled with negligent teenagers and 20 somethings making uh having big COVID parties yeah it sounds like something would be on mtv or something you know it could yeah, it could be on yeah. cribs he could be the next yeah, sort of like exactly. hit on cribs yeah uh I don't think, you know, the Witch of the Waste is long for this world. One of the characters, Heen, is probably going to live a good life. It's kind of, fa- <laughs> it's really sad for Prince Justin or uh, uh, Turniphead. That man got friend zone all to hell. <laughs> so I definitely think he, you know, stopped the war and they were able to sort of move past that whole political strife. But I think he might become an incel. I think he's just going to go <laughs> the other way. He's like, I can't believe uh, this girl smooched me. Told him I'm in love with her, and then she friend-zoned me right in front of me. I don't think you recover from that so quickly. And Prince Justin might just want to go back to being a scarecrow. Yeah,
0: I think you've uh, you've hit the nail on the head there with uh, how he's definitely uh,
1: he's made for internet fame. He yes, needs an he Instagram, is.
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, Instagram, whatever. Yeah, he's definitely gonna be an influencer in some you know aspect. I can see that. Okay.
1: Okay. Now we're going on to the uh, next category, which I like a lot, and I have some really strong opinions about your picks with a couple of them, and I might lambast you. <laughs> I, first off, this is the, the Disney live-action recast, which conceptually is the idea that because Disney has all this money and they're just trying to capitalize on old IP, they're just going to make everything over again with a new cast and probably do it in such a way that isn't all that great. Um, the reason why I say it's not all that great because you fucking said Michael Bay yeah. would be the director yeah. of Howl's Moving Castle yeah. in a live action. Can, can you explain yourself? Come on, man. He did Transformers. That's a, not a good. <laughs> there's not a good reason why you would want him to do Howl's Moving Castle. Transformers is in. I mean, I guess they're I both mean incomprehensible. you can
0: only imagine what the castle would look like in Bay's hands.
1: He's gonna blow it up. That's yeah. all he's going to do. Well, the
0: thing is, it, it's going to be a shitty, you know, the plot's going to be crappy, just like, you know, how's, you know. It, the difference is shitty This is like a custom made for him, man. He would just turn this into a spectacle.
1: That is the hottest of takes I've ever heard. If you, I can't believe you even mentioned Michael I, I Bay and Miyazaki's brother. I think
0: dude. he, no, well, no, it would be an insult to Miyazaki, but I mean, it seems like guy. it would be something that Michael Bay would want to, you know, pick up and that Disney might, you know
1: get on board with. I Brad Bird? Brad Bird or George Miller were my two picks. Brad Bird had done The Incredibles. He had done a couple other Pixar movies. And George Miller was responsible for the Mad Max movies. I think Brad Bird, I mean, he's an Oscar winner. Um, I think he has a little bit uh, of a better idea how to adapt.
0: So you're looking at it from story perspective,
1: like that they would, you know... I'm thinking about what kind of tools these guys are working with that might be able to make a good... Product because I know both are dealing with a lot of certain different color palettes. Brad Bird has all the Pixar movies, which all have a very sort of specific coloring into them. And George Miller, with his recent work on Mad Max for uh, Fury Road.
0: But none of these guys are uh, experienced with CGI. Mad Max? Is what? That?
1: Yeah, there's plenty of CGI in that movie.
0: Is that George Miller? Is he the original Mad Max? Or Yeah,
1: yeah. Original Mad Max and Fury Road. You know what else he did? Happy Feet, which is all CGI. Uh. And there's nothing that tells me more about, uh, you know, a filmmaker's real skill well, levels when they yeah. make penguins dance around. Yeah. All right. You have Chris Rock as yeah. Calcifer, which I actually like. I think that's a pretty good pick. Yeah. Um, did you want to elaborate on that at all, or should I just go right No, nah, I
0: just think he'd be funny. Yeah. I mean, Billy Crystal, I think, for me, actually, is probably the most, you know, the most endearing character in How's uh, Moving Castle.
1: I actually liked... The Billy Crystal Calcifer more than the Japanese Calcifer. Not just because of, I mean, me being able to understand Billy Crystal, but I just like the performance more. I thought it was definitely more um, endearing. Yeah. I picked Seth Rogen (laughs) as my Calcifer uh, just because I like the idea of Calcifer eating a piece of wood and just doing that Seth Rogen laugh. Like, (laughs) oh, Yeah. I think that would be pretty good.
0: No, I can see Seth.
1: I... The next one you have coming up, I think, is also egregious. <laughs> this thin-lipped motherfucker, Tom Holland, as Howl, that's 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 not good. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's just, uh, you know,
0: sort of fits the uh, the age bracket. He's uh, Spider-Man. I don't know. I, I mean, know. He, he can fly, you know what I mean? He's got a little, you know, I mean... I and, think the and... physical
1: features, Tom Holland just is, like, too British. And not... It's not...
0: Yeah, but they they can, you know, they can make them however they want. You okay. know what
1: I'm saying? All right. All right. I had Timothy Chalamet, which I think is the number 1 pick for this.
0: Well, series. I would I would agree. I I like that pick also.
1: Okay. Okay. You give him a little blonde dye yeah. job at the beginning, go back to I mean, to the I internet. was just
0: trying to find somebody that was, you know, comparable. Yeah. Okay. I mean, definitely Chamalee is uh
1: is that a ding dong yeah Chamalee <laughs> Ding Dong, yeah You had uh Elle Fanning yeah. as your Sophie? Yeah. I like that. I like that pick. Um I had Daisy Ridley who yeah. is the uh obviously Rey in the yeah. the Star Wars movies. I think she was probably a little too pretty uh to play the Sophie character. Elle Fanning is also I guess a very pretty girl. Did you have anyone in mind for the old Sophie? No,
0: I didn't even uh contemplate that.
1: I had chose uh, Maggie Smith, who is um, Professor McGonagall in the Harry Potter movies. She also was in Downton Abbey. Um, I don't really know anything else about uh, Maggie Smith's CV. This, the, oh my God, the next one is really, really the one that I wanted to call you out for. The Witch of the Waste. You have Rebel <laughs> Wilson. Please explain yourself.
0: I don't know. She just. I mean, when I, when I looked at that, I I think she's just like you know. I want to call her out for a weight, but, I mean...
1: I think she has... She doesn't have the stature that maybe the uh, the Witch of the waist has. Which is, I I mean, I picked two big, tall women. I picked either Christina Hendricks, who is the, um, you know, one of the main characters in Mad Mad Men. Uh, and Gwendolyn yeah. Christie, who is like 6'2". See, now I can't see Christina Hendricks. No? No. She still has the red hair. You throw like a uh, some prosthetic neck on her. That I feel like that would be not May, bad. Well, maybe. Yeah, I think she could fill it out. I think she just needs like a some sort of prosthetic to of get her. Definitely not Angela Lansbury. No way. As the old one. No.
0: Oh, as the old one. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking oh, okay. the
1: old actress as well, not she's current still Angela. Jeez. Yeah, she's 94. Oh my gosh. Yeah, awful. which I thought was perfect. I think Angela Lansbury could step right in and be the old Witch of the Ways, yeah. Huffing puffing cigars, causing mischief. Yeah. Tell me about... Well, your... that would be
0: a big comeback for her. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're getting work in your 90s. You could really sort of uh, do whatever you want. Tell me about your, your Markle pick, because I don't really know about, um, too much about this actor. Oh,
0: jeez. He's Asian, obviously, and uh, Ian Chen.
1: What was Ian? Oh, was it like
0: I can't remember. I was just going through... Was it
1: Fresh Off the Boat, maybe? We could track.
0: We'll have to look it up. Mm-hmm pausing
1: oh geez yeah yeah fresh off the boat
0: fresh off the boat mm-hmm.
1: so that's not a bad pick i mean Come on, yeah we have some cat intrusions here so that's not a bad pick ian chen seems like a solid markle i had either jacob tremblay or uh ian armitage who is young sheldon both are just sort of in that eight to twelve age range I think yeah i, I almost it picked him Young uh, Sheldon. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he looks, I mean, he looks Markle-esque. He does yeah. not really necessarily the same hair color, but uh, I felt I felt like it wouldn't be bad. Next we have Solomon, and there's <laughs> two viable options that you picked, and then the other two I would, I mean, Tony Colletti is the female Nicolas Cage, so I don't know if I could see her as uh, yeah. Solomon. I don't know. I, I just rattled off a bunch of them. But Jennifer Lawrence it, it might be a little too young in my yeah. mind. Yeah. I think
0: she's, yeah. I, I, I almost went with Nicole Kidman, but I feel like she sort of played that role before.
1: Kate Blanchett is someone who actually came up on both of our uh, picks, and I think <laughs> that's the number one pick. I think Kate Blanchett is perfect for Solomon because yeah. they even kind of look alike. They're right. the clean, sort of smooth skin. Mm-hmm. You give her a dye job, to get make it gray. Robin Wright is also another one that I thought would be uh, good for that role um needs to grow her hair out a little bit but she's right in that age range i don't know i do i do like the Kate blanchett okay i think
0: jennifer lawrence is a stretch yeah maybe in like 10 years a little bit too young. although i mean she seemed like she was sort
1: of portrayed as solomon has old like gray hair is she gray yeah Yeah. she's an older woman i don't remember okay uh letty um i don't actually know this actress it was kiernan yeah kiernan
0: shipka she was sally draper in Mad Men,
1: yeah, you think she uh, I mean she's what blonde, yes. Yeah. yeah, I also just went with this uh, a blonde uh Lily Reinhardt, who is Betty Cooper in Riverdale, okay. I think she kind of even looks like Letty,
0: yeah,
1: um, so I think that was that's a solid to toss choice. up. whoever's available. did you have uh, a king of Iing that you would come up with?
0: Yeah, I was thinking that Donald Trump would make a uh, that's all. guest appearance. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they ship in the president for a, a cameo appearance in yeah. the Halloween castle. Yeah. Okay. He just okay. comes
0: walking in because he only makes like one appearance, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. Is he going to be wearing a big mustache too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had a uh, Christopher, shit, I don't know how to say his last name. Um, Hivju... Hivju, it's H-I-V-J-U. He's from Game of Thrones. He was Giants Bane. Uh, you've probably seen him. He had the big, swept back, red hair, yeah. big grizzly beard. You yeah. slim that beard down, give him the mustache, yeah. I think that's a perfect casting. Yeah, Especially if he's just showing up for a minute. Yeah, um, We have a, a reoccurring theme in the Disney recast where we have to pick one or, I guess, uh, however many actors we would like. But usually it's just going to be one CGI recreation of any living or dead person, um, whether it be you know if they're older or younger. I didn't have a good one for any of the real cast, but I just decided that Terry, the the dog from The Wizard of Oz, deserves just a second life. Okay. So just strap on some ears, maybe give him uh, you know some prosthetics on his feet. He can try to be heen. Why not? Why <laughs> yeah. not? Who cares? Yeah. Uh, your CGI pick actually comes in the next one, and do yeah. you want to explain exactly why you picked Ray Bolger? Well, I think he's probably the all-time, you know,
0: The Scarecrow. Yeah, the Scarecrow that is the the most beloved Scarecrow of all time. That's fair. I mean, in looking up about... Because I was trying to figure out all-time Scarecrows, and uh, really there's not a... uh,
1: a long, long list <laughs> of uh,
0: well-known Scarecrows. I mean, and he's just the top of the, you know, everybody knows Ray Bulger as, you know, the Wizard of Oz Scarecrow.
1: And I would have been considering that for one of the Rushmore things, but I was like, who the fuck is a Scarecrow yeah. in a movie? Aside from the Batman one.
0: Yeah, there's the, you know, the supervillain Scarecrow in the DC comics, you know, the nemesis of Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I mean, Tournament just, you know, he's like, Probably the next you know biggest scarecrow to appear in a in a featured film, but
1: he makes the Rushmore out of way all the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's
0: definitely there. I mean, because every other scarecrow is some um, take on a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, obviously scarecrows are uh, considered evil and uh, pretty much killers, and which um, is
1: unfortunate because they're helping the Yes.
0: Crows. So you know anybody that can elite,
1: uh, bring you know some kindness to the scarecrow. Uh, so when turnip head turns into prince justin it's going to be ray bulger that's what yeah. you imagine okay i mean
0: it's sort of hard i mean because i'm just i don't know how you would even cga cgi recreate that particular character because it's basically a true scarecrow on a pole uh-huh. but i'm thinking his face would be somehow the the likeness of ray bulger
1: would be in the face of the uh the turn of turnip head yeah okay i had put a little more thought into the the human version of that character when he actually finally turns at the end oh yeah and i had either picked harry styles with a blonde dye job or cole sprouse from the sweet life of zach and cody in riverdale both i mean probably cole sprouse is probably the better of the pick there let him grow his hair a little bit give him a give him a bob maybe a little lighter hair okay i think that might be perfect he and lily reinhardt have uh you know their dating history it might cost some drama on the set him and uh, letty hooking up who knows
0: yeah i'll go with that
1: okay okay so we're doing our last call, and we got to be able to finish up our glasses of wine in this. <laughs> but do you have any sort of final questions for the director? Maybe about these plot elements that are unsolved, or like what's something that's really sort of actually making you mad? Too many. Yeah. I mean,
0: in terms of in watching the movie, um, I don't understand <clears throat> why Sophie keeps going back and forth from being old to being young. I mean, she's turned old, and in a number of scenes, she's
1: back to being young. Yeah, I had done... Like when
0: she's sleeping, she's young, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, he looks at her and she's young.
1: With her dark hair, too. Yeah. It's with the regular sort of hair color. I know one of them was a dream, when she goes through that tunnel to go uh, look at Hal. In that one instance, she's she's dreaming. I don't really have a good answer. People have speculated that once the wicked... Uh, I keep saying that. Once the Witch of the Waste had lost her powers, the strength of the spell started to wane. And so Sophie's sort of own emotionality was coming into it and maybe causing the spell to flux. And maybe by the end of the movie, the reason why she's just back to normal but still has that hair is that the spell has just essentially lost all its juice. And there's still some sort of um, residual magic in that sense, but I don't really know. I really wish there was some sort of answer because that was an interesting part of the movie that I... I also didn't really understand. I didn't get the whole time travel. Uh, deuce ma- uh, de- de- <laughs> deuce, ex, deuce machina? ex Machina. Is that how you yeah. say that? I can never remember. But yeah, that the, the door to the time travel scene is inexplicable to me. I don't yeah. really get why they copped out in the last 30 minutes because I don't know how the book ends. I don't know if there's something like that, but yeah. it just seems like it's too neat of, a, of an mm. ending. It all comes and ties itself in a bow. I do like the fact that Sophie's like the, really the only time there's a kiss in a movie, in this movie is when she kisses turnip head. and he's not even the main, you know, love interest. Yeah. And that's sort of just kind of throwing. But the, the thing
0: of it is, is he supposedly had
1: a thing for Sophie also. Oh, he was in love with her. Yeah. That was apparently the thing. And why was he turned into turnip head? The, the speculation around that is that it was Solomon. Solomon had, a, I mean, this is, you know, I'm reading fan board bullshit. But, but that's the
0: whole thing. I mean, you have to go into these fan boards and, and read it to, to just watch the movie and try to make sense of
1: the well, events that. Like context clues, too.
0: Because
1: oh. she, I mean, at the end of it, at the end of the, the conversation that's... that she has with Heen, she's like, all right, well, the game is up let's get the Ministry of Defense guy and the Prime Minister over here, and we're going to call this end uh, this war to an end. Which makes me think that the whole Prince Justin thing was uh, a means to her end of essentially crippling the wizard and witch population of Ingury. So she was just bringing all these people in, sapping their powers, and continuing on with this useless war, which kind of gets into... I don't know. Maybe some sort of the war message that Miyazaki was trying to get uh get against with the film, but this is all just speculation. Yeah.
0: I mean, I also have some issues with the aircraft. Some of them just did not look aerodynamically uh like
1: which capable one, the flapper like Yeah,
0: like... I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they were flapping or like spinning from the side, but I don't I don't see how that
1: that works. Yeah, it's not there Miyazaki's was... most aerodynamic design. No.
0: And he has a thing with airships, obviously. There's a lot of stuff about him and airships.
1: Well, yeah. There's some biography stuff. Uh, I know he's a military nut in terms of that, um, you know, building those things.
0: I mean, some of the aircraft look like they could be propelled somehow, but uh, some of them were like, okay, that makes no sense to me. Orville. The other thing (laughs) is the whole um, calcifer and supposedly it's a spell put on him, but it's how basically saves him from dying, as he's a falling star, yeah. and if he hits the ground or whatever, they die yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he catches them, and then somehow Howl gives him his heart. Well, he what, swallows him, he which swallows is apparent.
1: Him? Like, or he puts the 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 star in his mouth and he swallows it. Uh, as Sophie is like going down into the time hole, mm. however you want to put it. But that, to me, is him. Having some made some sort of deal with Hal, or excuse me, having made some deal with Calcifer that he can't remember, yeah. um, and that's why he's so desperate to figure it out, like how to break the spell. That's uh, I'm not really quite sure, especially since they don't actually. Well, then you know,
0: because then he he basically can't leave. How you know he's basically heating and doing whatever to you know making the house. Yeah, and how would he make? Why would he make a deal like that? Like why would he? Mm-hmm. You know basically enslaved calcifer to be
1: his house yeah uh, <laughs> his house's engine
0: I, I mean i don't really i didn't follow that but i'm sure if you go on the fan boards you'll, uh, you'll get a good explanation
1: <laughs> well i think those are some pretty good questions and i don't think we'll ever really get to the, yeah. the bottom of exactly what's going on with this movie especially since miyazaki had his own sort of agenda with it Uh, the final segment of this podcast I added on, it's called Notes and Errata, which is essentially any correction or anything we want to redact from the previous episode. And I don't know if you remember anything, but I know for sure that I was pretty adamant that Finn Wolfhard was over six foot. That's not the case. (laughs) I, uh, I guess Finn Wolfhard is maybe 5'10".
0: Oh really? You made it a point to... Note his height.
1: Well, I I had made the point that he was very gangly, and I thought it was a funny idea for a six foot something, sixteen year old to be uh, playing the the. What is he like? Five five. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's Jacob Tremblay. He's four eight. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. just walking around. Um. Also, Yubaba. Huge mistake. Huge mistake. I know. I I really hope I don't get canceled. Yeah. And if it's not me, it's gonna be the any comment about anyone's weight in this movie. Um. Which is nothing bad, I want to you know, explicitly say. Uh, secondary, Yababa and Zaniba are definitely two different people, but I know I said Zaniba more often than I said Yababa just because I like the name a little bit more. Yeah. And it just rolls off the tongue. Okay. Uh, is there anything that you want to redact? <laughs> or... No,
0: I stand by everything I said. Hell
1: yeah, we're going down <laughs> with the ship. All right, well, this has been the second episode of Me and My Dad Watch Anime. Thank you so much for listening. And... Uh... I guess I got to finish my wine now. Yeah. I just want to bring
0: uh, up the. uh, Today's wine was the uh, Josh Seller. What the heck is it? Josh Josh Seller? Josh Seller's. And that was last week's wine also, but this one is the Bourbon Barrel Aged, Mm -hmm. which I enjoy. And uh, the other one was just the Josh Seller's
1: Cabernet. So we have plausible deniability because we were drunk. No,
0: I mean. At this point, we have to give it a rating. I mean, we haven't. Uh, okay. I think we each wine we put need... it on the Rushmore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we're gonna feature a wine every week. Uh, Got to sort of say, you know, where does this one stand? Um, I give it. What are we? What are we basing on? One through ten, or are we gonna go through? I a...
1: think it's whatever you feel. I was gonna give it four heen coughs out of five. <laughs> I think <laughs> four heen coughs. Yeah, when he makes those little noises. <laughs> Like that. Four out of five. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't uh, be coughing at you like that. In court I'm
0: actually but... going to give it five um, no face. Five. <laughs> no face. What do you give that? He gave it a five. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> five Keanu Reeves and <laughs> no faces. Uh, that was good. That's perfect. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be yeah. back next week with, I don't think we've actually decided yet, but we might We might do something special. Who knows? We'll decide. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.